Wonder how that woman came up with her cool idea and turned it into a business? Listen in to find out how. Welcome to Women Inspired. I'm your host, Linda Ugalow, and on this show, I interview artists, healers, changemakers, and entrepreneurs about what fires them up and how they put their dreams into action. And I'm so excited today because I have on my show the person who inspired me to start Women Inspired back in 2016. She is a publicity and media strategist, and she helps clients impact millions with, with her work and her guidance. Selena Sue, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Linda. It's truly an honor to be here. Well, thank you, because over the past three years, I have learned so much from you. And, and I have seen the impact that you have made on the thousands of students and clients that you have. Thank you. So, impacting millions. Like, where did you come up with the idea for that? Where did I come up with that idea? I mean, I would say like ever since I was in high school, I always had this dream of making a difference with my life. And I didn't really have the words impacting millions then, but I wanted to do work that would, you know, reach and help a lot of people. And I, you know, one of the ways that I love to help people is basically introduce them to other amazing people who can change their lives, like experts and thought leaders and authors. And my life has been deeply impacted by authors like Deepak Chopra and Marianne Williamson. And when I was going through hard times, their books and their words and their ideas really helped me. And so, you know, I've since then, you know, met and connected with so many people doing life-changing work, whether they're life coaches, business coaches, healers, and you know, oftentimes they feel like they're this best kept secret. You know, their clients know who they are. There are people who are like, wow, this person's changed my life, but you know, the larger world does not know who they are. And so I was really inspired to find a way to help them reach more people. So I created a publicity program. But one thing that was clear is like a lot of the people that I work with aren't looking for publicity for publicity's sake. It's not primarily like, you know, I wanna be super famous and it's all about my ego. They have this really deep desire to impact and change people's lives. And I just found the words impacting millions, it just came to me one day and it really resonated with my audience. So that's why I picked the, you know, the name impacting millions. That's so wonderful. And what I love about it is that you may, like you have thousands of students, but your thousands of students are impacting others. And then those yes. people, it's like a, is a real ripple effect. Absolutely. Yeah, I feel honored because I feel like I am in turn impacting millions by helping activate and elevate, you know, thousands of change makers and visionary people. Yeah, it's really wonderful. So like, where do you think this came from, you know, of wanting to, uh, you know, make this positive change in the world. Is that something that was always part of your awareness? Yeah, I think I've always been someone who's been more motivated by helping people and making a difference than money. Just, you know, helping people feels good. But it was in my mid-20s when I had my quarter-life crisis and was working at a nonprofit, making about $42,000 a year, which actually is not a lot for New York City. And I hit this ceiling and, and there were like a number of things that I wasn't happy about in my life, like my relationship and having low self-esteem. And so I found myself in a women's life coaching group. And it was then that I got exposed to all these thought leaders and I was in such a bad place. And I was just, you know, I wanted so badly to feel better and I found comfort in these books and ideas and I realized that there's a lot of people like me that are struggling with something, whether they are in a toxic relationship or a dead-end job or they have issues with their parents or they've got bad health and 
you know, it's not as simple as just giving people the information because information is all over the internet, but people want a combination of information and inspiration. And I felt like these thought leaders were role models that people could look up to and see a piece of themselves in them and could really help them get out of their challenging situation. And I just, you know, was so inspired to make sure that everyone knew about these people. So that's really, you know, where it all began, where I got really clear that, you know, I wanted to dedicate my life to helping people in, you know, that kind of high impact way. That's fantastic. So how do you find, how do you help people find those opportunities to spread their message? Absolutely. So a lot of people will come to me and say, Selena, you know, if Oprah knew about my work, she would be all over it. I just need to find a way to get in front of her. Or, you know, I want to be on the Today Show. And I totally get that big vision. I attract people like that and I love it. But, you know, that is rarely going to be our first step. So I've created this system called the Publicity Pyramid that has five different levels. And it's really, you know, designed to help people think about, okay, what's my path to getting publicity? So if you, you know, imagine a triangle, at the bottom there's the base, um, base of the pyramid, that's level you know, five, that is um, your online presence. So if the media is thinking about having you on their show or writing an article about you, they are going to Google you online. They're gonna see, you know, does this person have a website or a blog or an Instagram account or are they on Facebook? You know, is this a real person? Because if there's absolutely nothing about you online, they're not going to feel confident. They're going to feel like they don't really know who you are. So that's step one. And many entrepreneurs, you maybe you've already gotten started. If you've got some kind of basic website or one active social media profile, then you're, you know, you got a great start there. And then the next level is um, guest posts because one of the most powerful things you can do is express your ideas online. And maybe you've expressed them in detail in um, blog posts on your website, but getting them on another well-known reputable site like a Huffington Post, a Mind Body Green, uh, whatever makes sense for your industry is a way to establish yourself as an authority quickly. And you know, you're able to share your ideas in that in-depth way where by the end of the article, people feel like they've gotten to know you, your story, your philosophy, and then they can join your email list. The other great thing about guest posts is that it's great for you know, SEO and those backlinks to your website will help you know, boost your domain authority. And then the next level is podcast interviews. So that's number three, podcast interviews or video. So if you've already communicated your ideas in depth through the form of writing, then it's you know, talking, going back and forth. And um, you know, when people listen to a 30 minute or one hour interview, they really feel like they know you, they've heard your voice. And with podcasts, what's really cool is oftentimes you can talk about your business, your offerings, whereas you can't always go that in depth with other forms of media. So that's really powerful. And then there's you know magazines, which um, you know I would say for the most part, podcasts tend to be more niche. You can target very specific audiences with a lot of print magazines. There's a lot of mainstream publications where you'll reach millions of people. Um, but you know, it, it's it's just it's broader versus niche. And then there's you know television. And you know, if Oprah's producers were to consider you for TV, they would, like I said, everyone would they'd Google you. And if they see that you've got a body of work and you know you kind of worked your way up, you're going to be considered. But if you have nothing, they're going to wonder, is this person the real deal? So that's kind of like my suggested path. 
And at every level, there's um, you know different opportunities that make more sense to people. I mean, part of it is what is your comfort level and what opportunity leads to the next, and also what your business model is. Mm. You know, if you're reaching a very niche audience and you want to be in a niche publication or a niche podcast, if you're going more mainstream, if you've got a book or a lower price po- product, then you know magazines and TV is perfect for that. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about ways for people to show themselves as an expert in their field. Yes. By, by contributing in these ways, mm-hmm. by their website, by guest blogging, by going on podcasts. What is the mindset that is required for that? Because a lot of people feel, may feel shy to put themselves out there. Yeah, no, I totally get that. I mean, I can share a story that, you know, illustrates some key mindset blocks that, you know, I've had to overcome. So I remember when I did my very first interview, it was a Skype interview with a client who said, Selena, I want to share you with my audience. And I remember being uncomfortable because I was more comfortable promoting other people than being seen. But I said, okay, I'm going to do it because I knew it would be good for me. And we recorded the interview and I watched it afterwards with my interns. And I was having them like note how many filler words I was using because it was something I was really, you know, working to improve. And at one point they said, you know, they had reached like 137 filler words in like a short (laughs) interview. And I was watching the interview and just covering my face with my hands and just feeling like, oh my gosh, it's like watching a horror movie. And I said to my interns, like, I can't share this with anyone. It's so embarrassing. And they said to me, you know, Selena, honestly, I don't think it's as bad as you think. I think you gave some really good advice. I think it could really help people. And I shared it with my audience and people wrote back and said, thank you. Like, I love it. I love what you shared. And so it kind of made me realize three things that are connected to the major mindset blocks that people have. Um, So number one is we're always, you know, doing worse than we think. We are our own worst critic. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when I was watching my interview, I had my interns like notate all the times I had messed up. I was, you know, watching to see what had I done wrong. And so, you know, usually other people are not watching it in that way. And then the other thing is that, you know, I realize that it takes time to get better. You know, on day one, you're not going to be as eloquent as someone who does interviews all the time or as eloquent as someone who is like, you know, speaks on big stages. And so I had to, you know, give myself that room to get better and better, you know, at speaking. And then last but not least, you know, realizing why am I even doing this? And like my, you know, interns had said, like, you know, I think this could help a lot of people. I mean, that really is my motivation for getting out there in the media and and doing interviews and sharing my ideas. And, you know, when you realize it's really about other people and how you can add value to them, you know, you take a lot of the pressure off because it's not about how good I look or sound. It's about could this help someone's life in some way? Right. Absolutely. And it's so interesting. I think that what you were kind of going after with asking your interns to write down everything that was quote unquote bad. Yeah. You could have just as easily say, write down all the things that were good. I never thought of that. (laughs) I could have. And yet this is how we often try to get better or motivate ourselves through uh, rectifying the mistakes as opposed to uh, expanding upon or allowing ourselves to celebrate all the good things that we're doing. And, you know, just what you said about you can't compare your beginning experience with someone who has been doing this for a long time. Right. And now that you've, you've 
you have been doing this for a long time, I'm sure you feel really differently now than you did three years ago. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel so much more comfortable and it's something that I enjoy doing now. Yeah, and so that is, I think, something that, you know, your students and clients can rest assured by, you know, oh, that yeah. just stick with it and... Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's scary for everyone. I mean, as you know, public speaking is like the greatest fear for many people. But then once you do it, it's not so bad. You realize I'm not going to die. But that's what people actually like feel like. Like, I'm going to make a big fool of myself. Right, right. We're all concerned of being judged. and Exactly. Yeah. 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 So you, you mentioned something about topics for, or for different industries. Yes. Is there something that you feel that people maybe don't understand about how to pitch the media for their particular industry? Yeah, so I think that, you know, when you're looking to pursue media, you want to be intentional. I would say 80 to 90 percent of your media should be strategic. So, you know, ideally it's used to get visibility around, um, you know, your business or a cause that's important to you. And the other 10, 20 percent, you know, it could really be anything because it is helpful to just be out there in the media in general and be developing those relationships. And so when you're, you know, pitching yourself, you want to get really clear on, you know, what are my expert topics going to be? What do I want to be known for? Because for all of us, you know, myself included, there's a million different things I could talk about, but I don't really want to be seen as an expert in a million different things. I want to be seen as an expert in maybe two or three things primarily. So getting really clear on those and also thinking about, you know, what kind of topic is it? Is it a mainstream topic or is it a niche topic? So, you know, a niche topic is something very specific that maybe only people in your industry would understand and mainstream topics are broader topics. So for example, you know, career topics, like that's a mainstream topic. But if you were to pick something more niche, like um, talking about, you know, an aspect of email marketing, like building a survey funnel, you know, that's more specific and would be better suited for a niche publication. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really good to get clear on those topics and whether they're niche or mainstream. Mm -hmm. So how do people come up with their story ideas? Their story ideas. Yeah, so I would say first, you know, figure out what your topics are. So as an example, some of my topics are you know networking, um, publicity, and personal branding. So then, once you've got your two or three topics, you know, ask yourself like, what are some story ideas that are connected to this? Because you can't just pitch a media outlet and say, I want to come in and talk about networking. You need a specific story idea. So I mean, there's a couple of things that you can do. There is a website called BuzzSumo, and you can go on there and you can type in that keyword. You know, so let's say networking. And what they'll do is they'll pull up the most popular articles on networking. And they determine this based on how many shares they're getting across social media channels and how people are engaging with the article. So you may see, you know, on the first page, like a list of 20 articles that have been the most popular articles everyone's talking about and sharing. And those will give you clues. You know, maybe you could think about using a similar headline format. Maybe you read the article and you have a different perspective and you could add something new to the conversation with a different article. So that's one way to get started. And another way is to survey your audience if you have one. And if you don't have a newsletter list or, you know, much of an audience, you can just ask your friends or family, you know, tell them, I'm looking to share my ideas more around networking and I would love to know. What are some questions you have? What do you think is challenging about networking? What do you think prevents people from wanting to do it? What do you think is um, the most important thing to understand about networking? And then as you start doing that research, you'll start developing 
story ideas, which you can then share with the media. Oh, great. So let's say you have your story ideas and you're ready to share with the media. What are some of the mistakes that people make when they, they reach out to media? Sure, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of mistakes that we make. Um, so one is, I mean, first a subject line. You know, you need to grab someone's attention because, you know, oftentimes they're not going to recognize your name. Um, so you want the subject line to really make them excited about, you know, reading your email. So I like to include the words pitch or story idea and then the story idea in a headline format because then they're able to imagine that, you know, on their website, mm. you know, or you know, on video, like how would that look? Mm -hmm. um, so they know it's not like this is not a press release, this is a specific story idea. So that's valuable. Um, the other thing is a lot of times there isn't much personalization. People forget that. There are some cases where the personalization can be harder. For example, with TV, when you're pitching, you know, you don't know what shows the producer produce because, you know, it's different than an article where you've got like, you know, the byline there very clearly. But if you're pitching, say, a podcast host or a magazine editor or someone, you know, from a top website, you know, expressing appreciation about, you know, the work that they're doing, referencing an article they've written just shows that you've taken a bit of effort to mm -hmm. get to know them. And then they're going to naturally, you know, become more interested in you because, you know, the biggest secret around networking is very common, but, you know, common sense isn't always common practice. But to get someone interested in you, you have to be interested in them first. Like that's how pe people find you interesting if you are interested in them. Mm. Um, so, you know, I always encourage people to add that personal touch in the beginning. So you're talking about building relationships. Oh yeah, building relationships. And actually before you even pitch someone, what you can do is you can start following them on social media, um, retweeting their content, um, perhaps leaving a comment on their blog, but doing things to just get on their radar so that when they do open up your email, they're like, oh, this name looks familiar, and they have a positive feeling towards you, even if they can't pinpoint exactly you know, how you first got on their radar. How did you learn how to do this? How did I learn how to do this? That's a good question. I mean, I think that it's, I've gotten better over time, but I just have a passion for promoting and spreading the word about you know ideas and people that I love, and so you know I, I wanted to get a yes. You know, I wanted to tell someone about someone amazing, and for them to be like, yes, I want to be introduced to them. Yes, I want them on their show. So I would put a lot of thought into my emails, and also I think I have a natural respect for how busy people are and how they don't have much of an attention span. And I, I assume that like whenever I request something, like the default for someone would be a no because they're so busy and they just can't say yes to everything. So I'm like, okay, the default answer is gonna be a no. What can I do to really get their attention, make them see what kind of opportunity this is, you know, why this is a great idea so that I actually turn that no into a yes. So I think in my mind I see it as it's a high stakes thing and I have to prove myself. I can't assume that they're just going to see the value on their own. I love how you take this on as a challenge. Oh, yes. And what, what really surprises me is that you are a self-described introvert and I don't know if you feel this way now, but you said you used to be very shy. Yes. And that seems to really somehow in your passion to like share and connect with people to people, you've been able to toss that to the side. How, did, how do you see that? Yeah, that's, that's an interesting thing. I think because I'm so passionate, my passion fuels me, and it's more about helping people and making a difference versus focusing the attention on myself. I think 
like a lot of people, I am self-conscious. So if it's all about like, oh, will they say yes to me or me creating a story about whether they like me or not, or you know, it's a personal thing, then yeah, with that pressure, I would feel uncomfortable. But really, um, you know, it feels like what I do is like a mission. It's a, it's a real passion, and that just you know drives me forward. So I think that there are a lot of people who feel like, oh, I don't want to be a burden. I don't want to bother people. Who am I? Yeah, I mean, we spoke a, a little bit about that earlier with mindset, but what would you say to encourage these people who, you know, they are doing really good work, but they feel they have that shyness? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think when you're looking to do any kind of outreach or making a request, you want to always put yourself in their shoes. And so one of my mentors, Ramit Sethi, talks about the straight jacket technique. You know, so imagine yourself in a straight jacket and just like in the other person's body, you know, put your own agenda aside. Like, how are they going to feel when they receive that email? Um, and what are their priorities at the time and how is that going to fit in? Because the thing is, the way to get someone to say yes is to show that you actually have the same goal in mind. You're headed to the same destination. So I love to share this analogy where I think of a busy person or an influencer as a train. And they're on a track and they are headed full steam ahead to their end destination. And the train may open its doors for a few moments to let people on, but then the doors close and they go full steam ahead. And so when you are reaching out to someone for a request, if the request is something that is not connected to their priorities and it feels like you're pulling them off the track, it's never gonna work. But if it's something where it's a win-win and you know it helps them reach their end destination faster, then they're gonna invite you to come on the train with them. And so, you know, maybe someone's got, you know, a podcast or a TV show and you're able to show why it would be really beneficial to have that particular guest, how it would attract a new audience, how it would get more promotion, how maybe knowing that guest would be beneficial to them for their business or personal goals. Then it's like you're jumping on the train and you're headed to the same destination together. That's such a helpful analogy. I love that. It's like, Thank are you. you adding fuel for the journey? Yes, yes, exactly. That's so cool. So. You have, I mean, how long have you been working on this business? Had my business for just over six years. Six years. And how did you, like, how did you get from A to where you are now? Yeah. I know that's a long oh. journey, but can you encapsulate, you know, like, like if you were going to, like, help a, someone who's just starting out, you know, yes, do they start with publicity? Do they start with, um, getting their client base and systems down? Like, what would you recommend? Yeah, so the way that I got started is I just started helping people for free. I started connecting people to opportunities. I started giving them publicity and marketing advice. And as I became this valuable person to other people, they would recommend me. They would want to offer me a testimonial. They would talk about me. And, you know, I would get results for people. And so I think when you have a gift in the beginning, I mean, always, but you want to share it generously. And because I had given so much to people, you know, there were people that wanted to give back to me. So when I started my business, um, you know, I had people already sending people my way. Um, so that was really big. So, you know, I would have, you know, anyone who's starting a business think about, okay, with my specific skill, um, you know, who are some people that I can share that with who could and, and you want to be thoughtful about who you share it with only because, you know, we have limited time. We can't help everybody. But, you know, so I would ask myself questions like, is this someone who might likely 
if they have a great experience, you know, talk about my work to other people. Are they someone who is in my industry or connected to other people who could become ideal clients? You know, is, could this person be someone I could see as being a champion? Because you're kind of investing in that longer term relationship. Right. And also is this person someone that can get results? Because, you know, there's so many ways that we can help people, but if the person is someone who is just too busy to follow through or difficult to work with and you're going to feel challenged. And so, you know, is this person someone that I think I can get big results for? And so, you know, make a list of those people and start, you know, reaching out to offer your help. And then when you want to then, you know, start having people pay you, you'll have success stories and case studies and testimonials and that will help you get your first client. And, you know, I always recommend to, you know, be very thoughtful about your prices. You don't want to, you don't want to start too low, but you also don't want to start too high. Um, you want to find that happy price. So your happy price is basically a price that you'd be happy to work at that feels good for you. Um, a price that's not happy is one where you would feel resentful if you were to work at that level. So you just want to keep on working your way up um, out of that level of resentment. That will be your happy price. And then after you get five people at that price point, then you can consider raising it. But I think that sometimes people make the mistake that they look at what their competitors are doing and they try to charge identical pricing. I made this mistake myself, not realizing that those people have been in the business for maybe 10 years, 15 years, they have a team. And you know, when you're starting on day one, you're gonna be in a different place. And you can certainly rise to their level, but you know, it should be a process. And you're gonna feel confident and good about it and get people to say yes to those prices if you're doing it incrementally. Mm -hmm. So along your, your journey, were there any times that you felt like discouraged? Oh yeah, I mean, there's a lot of times. I mean, being an entrepreneur is really difficult for sure. I've had mostly amazing clients. 99% of my clients and students have been a joy. And then I think for all of us, we have people that we work with that you know are really challenging. So there have been moments like that that have made the work less enjoyable. But now I think I'm very good at determining you know who I can truly help. And if someone is not a fit or you know it's not working out, you know I find a way to kind of resolve that quickly. And I think another thing that has been challenging for me is, you know, and not so much right now, but in the past it was a big pain point, is when you're growing the business. Because when you're growing the business, you're hiring a team, and when you're launching products, even though you're collecting some of the money up front, the thing is, even before you open up doors for sales, you, you had that team, you're doing a lot of content creation and things like that. And so like looking to scale in a big way and also kind of manage expenses. I'm not someone who um, is naturally good at finance. And I always think, you know, I see the opportunity in everything. I'm not very, I haven't been traditionally like moderate in my spending. Now I am pretty moderate. I had someone actually help me with that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's something that a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with. Um, where you know they're growing and a ton of revenue is coming in but you know to really grow in a healthy way you want to be pushing your you know revenues up while also thinking about how can you push your expenses down and I wasn't actively thinking about that yeah so we're coming to the end of our show mm -hmm. but I want to ask you quickly how do you stay motivated and inspired 
How do I stay motivated and inspired? For me, it's really being connected to my students and to my clients. So, you know, with all of my programs, there's some kind of high touch element where, you know, maybe there's a Facebook group or there are Q&A calls. Um, some, I also have in-person events, and so I feel like I'm really connecting with my audience and understanding their needs. And when I see the wins they get, it just inspires me and fuels me. So I would say that's definitely the thing that keeps me motivated. That's so great. And you can see how you are impacting millions. Thank you. Yes. I love what I do. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the show. This is super inspiring. I have so many takeaways that I'm going to implement. Oh, I love it. And I wish you luck on the next part of your journey. Thank you so much, Linda. I hope you have been inspired by this episode with Selena Sue. And if you have some presentation or video work coming up and you need a little extra confidence, please be sure to download my Guided Visualization for Speaking Confidence, which you could get at lindayugalow.com forward slash blueprint. And if you want to hear more about Selena Sue, make sure you find her on selenasue.com. See you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to Women Inspired. The show is recorded live in the studios of Bedford TV in Massachusetts. Music courtesy of Sheik Gamin. If you like this episode, please leave a review or comment. You can subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or watch all the TV episodes of Women Inspired with the show notes and links at www.lindayugalo.com forward slash TV.